sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Yeah, it's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM, Channel 159, The Sports Grid, a radio network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get to hang out with Rex Byers, who's a heck of an interesting character. He's a guy who's worked in the global books. He's worked in the Vegas books. When I get a chance to have a bookmaker on the show, you know I like to pick his brain. And we're going to pick Rex Byers' brain big time today. We're going to talk some Kentucky Derby. We're going to talk some NFL draft. We're going to talk A's in Vegas. We're going to talk NHL, NBA, and MLB as well, if we have time. But it should be a really interesting discussion with a character and a half. Rex Byers, a guy who's been around the industry and knows sports betting inside and out. It's what he's done his whole adult life, much like myself. But before we get into Rex Byers, I want to talk about the NFL draft. Just a little bit. I'm just going to talk about the opening round. All right, with all the mock drafts, I kind of do this every year. I like to make fun of the Mel Kuypers and Todd McShays and Pete Prisco's of the world. But every year, I write down their final mock draft, not the mock draft from March or the mock draft from the first week of April. I I write down, I track the mock, like the last mock, the one that's supposed to be right. And it's easy to mock the mocks, man. First to good. All right, and frankly, I do this every year. One of the first times they got all three of the first picks right. <laughs> the three picks, three first picks got right. Of course, they didn't have the team that was trading with Arizona to do it uh, in the Houston Texans. I could talk about them in a minute. When you have 8,000 needs, the thing you don't do is trade future draft capital to get a star now. I was surprised that the Texans moved up to get two and three. It's not what I would have made if I was Houston's GM. But then again, Houston has been a poorly run organization basically since they've come into the league. So no surprise there. Anyhow. McShay and Kuyper and the guys got the first three right. Then again, so did everybody else, <laughs> except for Stroud in the betting markets. Rumor Central sent his stock tumbling uh, for the number two slash second quarterback taken. That being said, they got the top three right. We'll give them credit. And we'll give them credit. Many years, they don't even get half the first rounders right. <laughs> you know, or they get 20 out of 32 this year. The pundits got the vast majority of the players getting drafted in the first round. Correct. And it's supposed to be that way. First rounders are first rounders. The only team making crazy reaches with the first round. It wasn't the Raiders this year. It was the Lions. So it wasn't carnage for their picks, even with all the trades on the open night of the draft. But after getting the top three right, none of the guys really had many players correctly in their spots. Not many at all. Some of them had none after the top three. But over and over again, what I did see was the pundits getting the right position, but the wrong guy. How does that happen? It's real simple how that happens. The Colts want Anthony Richardson number four. That's their guy. What do they do? They tell everyone, we want Will Levis number four. (laughs) Give me Levis. Give me Levis. (laughs) 
And all the pundits say he's going fourth. And then he drops out of the first round entirely, obviously. And it's Richardson that goes. Why do teams do that? And they weren't the only car. I mean, the Chargers. Every mock. Flowers going to the Chargers. Flowers going to the Chargers. Hey, Flowers going to the Chargers. Oops, it's Quentin Johnson from TCU instead. Mock after mock. Deontay Banks is going to the Commanders as a cornerback. He's the cornerback for Washington. Deontay Banks instead. They could have drafted him. They picked Forbes instead. On and on down the line. Why does that happen? How does that happen? And how can betters take advantage of it? Happens for very, very... (laughs) It happens because teams are using the quote-unquote draft pundits as smokescreens. You drop a little buzz, say, all right, yeah, yeah, we're looking at Will Levis, we're looking at Will Levis, when that's not the guy you want because you don't want anyone to trade up ahead of you and take the guy that you want. (laughs) It's a smokescreen. It's designed by the teams to give the pundits the wrong information. Right positions, wrong information. And it goes on and on down the line. It's not just the Colts and the Chargers and the Commanders. That is a notable problem for mock drafts. And again, when you look at the end of the first round, most of the guys that these uh, pundits were picking to get picked did get picked. That being said, many of the betters that I know that tend to clean up uh, on draft day, they didn't have a particularly great draft uh, this year. Some of the chalky ones went down. You know, the over running backs went down uh, in the first, or the under running backs, I should say, something that people like to bet uh, went down uh, in the first round. And on and on down the line, it was a good handful of it. And the irony, of course, you know, Great article from uh, David Payne Purdom over at ESPN Chalk uh, talking about the, the, the draft and how the sports books look at the draft. And this is a quote from Adam Pullen, the assistant director of uh, trading for Caesars Sportsbook. Quote, it's not if you're going to win or lose. It's how much you're going to lose. <laughs> it tends to be a loss leader. It has been a loss leader for the books This year wasn't so bad. At least the initial reports I heard around town was that some of the big betters made some pretty, uh, did not not cash. And even though some of the smaller betters cashed in, a lot of the big bets, the wise guys, didn't have the type of first round that they usually have. Might not be that bad a result for the bookmakers when we all add it up. Rex Byer is going to join us next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. NFL Draft Weekend. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid. Radio Network. I always love bringing him. I don't have him on very often. I've had him on, I think, maybe two or three times previous. But every time I get him on, I feel like we all learn something about the industry, about the nature of sports betting. He's a character and a half, and he's a real good guy. Rex Byers is going to join us now at Rex underscore Byers on Twitter. Rex, welcome to Cover It with Teddy Covers. Hi, Teddy. What's going on, man? Just another day, another dollar, my friend. You know you know how mm-hmm. it is in this business. It's like, you know, once we get into June and July, 
things legitimately slow down. That's the slow period. But yeah, if you say you know, these, so, I'm yeah. in the middle of uh, college football. Uh, I threw my nose at that point. <laughs> well, well, the funny thing is, is that like what was like? I used to be like April. You say all right, April things kind of slow down. Things yep. don't slow down in April. You got baseball starting. You have NBA that requires a lot of attention. You have all the NFL stuff going on. Obviously, playoffs and around the horn in basketball and hockey. April's not a slow time. Yeah, and then you know you add WNBA to that next month, and people think that there's especially advanced players think there's an edge there still, and there might still be maybe not as much as it used to be. But then now you throw two more spring football leagues in the equation, and and they just happen to be right now going on at the same time with the XFL and USFL. So. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's a year. It's twenty four seven, three sixty five gig on both sides of the counter. If uh, you know the betters have it better because they can pick and choose where they want their spots to be and where they want to earn and when they want to take their vacations. Bookmakers don't have that luxury. And, and it's funny because when you, you talk about your knee deep in college football in June and July, I do very little in college football. I do my college football work in May and then I pick it up again in August. Uh, June and July are kind of the dead months for me or when it comes to uh, – I find I, I do much more NFL work that time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, 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 you deep, deep dive into college in those uh, hot months. I mean, obviously, here in Las Vegas, you don't want to be hanging out outside in the middle of the summer. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, something that's changed from my days in Costa Rica. When I'd pick up the Phil Steele sometime late May, early June, and then I'd be at it at the pool at 75, 80 down there every day. It's a little bit different than up here. you got to – you know, be a little bit more judicious with your time when you're going outside. Certainly bringing a magazine with you when it's 113 out there isn't probably the best way to to, to use your time. So, yeah, I've sort of learned the, the, the time that I've lived out here that when I'm doing football work, it's uh, it's done indoors and in the comfort of my office. Yeah, yeah. And 113 degrees, even in the shade, isn't yeah. particularly nice. So last time we had Jan, Rex, I, I, we talked a little bit about your background. You were a bookmaker in Europe. You were a bookmaker in the Caribbean. You were a bookmaker in Vegas. Now you're working for Play Up USA. You were a sports editor back at Ball State back in the day. You were a covers moderator. You lived in Hawaii. You worked on Spanky's Pod. You worked for Delmar and Cascade. Uh, you had an armed robbery with a broken ankle. Your low point in Costa Rica. Now you're back in you the States. You got a hell of a memory, no, 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 pal. I, 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 <laughs> I'm talking I, I, about I, all this. <laughs> I wrote it down. I mean, it was an intro. It was a fascinating yeah. story, and I encourage you guys. Every show that I do is always available in podcast version. You can go back and listen to the last time Rex Byers was on. Uh, just wherever you download your podcast, search "Cover It with Teddy Covers," and you can go back and hear that episode because uh, he told I mean great stories from start to finish. But when I think of you, I was thinking of you as a bookmaker. Is that what you are now? I would say that bookmakers probably more apt. I, it's it's tough because you know I I like to consider myself an odds maker as well because you can do both and I know people have no clue what they're doing when it comes to making the line but once you give them a, a line to work with that, and start showing them some action they 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 they're way better bookmakers than most people and I know people that can make a, a line and they don't have a clue what they're doing when it comes to trying to book you know they get they get taken for a ride the wrong way with fake you know moves and stuff like that. So like there's there's two it's two different jobs. They're radically different jobs if you want to get right down to it. I try to be as good as I can at both of them. And you know I think that having a background of being a a better and having a little bit of the sickness for a long time and getting into it you know with horses when I was a kid, you know it sort of it sort of set me up for a chance to have some success on on both sides of the counter. I, but I do think of myself at this point in my life. Uh, first and foremost, probably as a bookmaker, but you know, so someone that can actually make numbers as well. I mean, I, I sort of take pride in my ability to make numbers. And it's funny because I, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's the differentiation between an odds maker versus a bookmaker. 
And yet, I do it. I don't know anyone that does it. We, we throw around those those terms interchangeably. Yeah, Talk be very really careful with that. Yeah, yeah, it's not the yeah. same thing, not by any means. Yeah, so uh, 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 tell my audience a little bit about the difference, like that nuance between an odds maker and a bookmaker. I think that's an interesting uh, the point. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to call it any examples. I mean, I've, I've worked in town no. here with <laughs> with some people, and I, you know, I, there are certainly people that I respect in in Las Vegas from the booking side of things that I don't think necessarily knew know how to make a line. But you know, like I say, if they if you if they see a bet on Team A and they're going to know how to how aggressive to move it, and then they're going to get their bet back on Team B, and then they're going to decide, okay, wh- which money is this that I had that I respect more, and then they they're going to sort of try to put themselves to need that side, and they're. Or people, well, the best guy I knew offshore, he's no no longer with us, the guy who used to run uh, the Del Mar lines. But he had a lot of friends in the right places, and he had a clue what the line was going to be. Nobody ever booked a game better than that guy. And, uh, you know, that's just that's one of the differences. Uh, but, but like I say, I, I, it's, the odds-making thing is the part that intrigues me because, you know, really, if you, if you trust your number, then you try to put it out there and say, you know, for example, I open a game five, and they lay me five, and I go, okay, well, this is a sharp guy. I'm going to go to six. And they lay me six. Well, now you're faced with a dilemma because if you don't move it aggressive the next time, say to seven and a half, well, you're putting yourself in a position to take three bets in on one side. And if you can't get to a point where you're writing the third bet on the other side, then you, your opener was bad. And, you know, you, you have to weigh, okay, is my number this far off? Am I missing something here? And that, that part to me is always the, the fun part. When you open, if, you, if and when you open, like, you know, last year, when I was at the Westgate for the NCAA tournament last year, when Ed and, Ed and I opened up the games before everybody else and during the conference tournament week, you know, it was always fun to write the, the first bets because, you know, you, you're getting, you're getting, nobody else in the world's got a number up. So you're getting literally someone's opinion against your opinion, and that's it. You know, there's not like there's a market for them to go off of. So those people that are, that are originating on the other side are the ones that I respect a lot because you know you're getting, you know, their true opinion. It's not like they're trying to do anything to the game. You know, it's, you know, occasionally if they think that they don't know, that you don't know what you're doing, you might have some guys that try to take you for a ride. You know, some people that, you know, get numbers from, from people and just open the line blindly. And, uh, you know, that, that if they don't really know what they're doing, <laughs> you know, if you could have a, a guy that sees a bad opener and says, let's see if we can see how far we can take this guy the, the wrong way as it is. So the game should be three. They open at six. Well, they lay six, they lay six and a half, seven, whatever. Now the guys that opened the wrong line to begin with are using an even worse line because they've been taken for a ride. And I'd like to think that I'm smart enough for that not to have happened to me very much, at least in my life. And, you know, going forward, I don't think it will. There's just too many people that know too much information at this point, and there's not enough people that work together to try to collude and, and, and negotiate to get the market going the wrong way. Just as soon as somebody sees a mistake or they see something that's off, they're, ha- they're happy to get their nickel or their dime, get it, and then that, that, that usually helps the market correct itself much faster, and it, and it works against the, the betters that would collude to work together to try to – to manipulate the markets. It's a very fascinating discussion. We take the whole call on it if you wanted to. It's not anything to do with, you know, I guess, in the summertime when baseball is boring, you, we can have this reconvene on this conversation. But, uh, you know, I could talk about this for hours and listen to other people that do the same. It's always interesting. So in my mind, like the, the, the one time where I was able to successfully head fake was in arena football, which was a smaller market. And at the time, I'd had a fair bit of success. So there was uh, – the markets were interested in, in what bet I was going to make. And when I released my plays, it was kind of like a Raz thing, you know, Right Angle Sports, who was a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, known for moving the markets with their releases. So in arena football, right before it was going to release, we put in a couple of, you know, and it, it took two $500 bets to move the global market. 
<laughs> you know? Uh, so we bet two games the wrong way. Other people would start jumping in thinking those were the proper releases. And we'd often get three, four, five. I remember a scenario where we got an extra seven points in mm-hmm. arena football because we made two $500 bets the wrong yeah. way uh, <laughs> at just the right time. Now, doesn't work so much for the sports with more action than arena football, but it can work. And it has worked mm-hmm. for me, at least not in the modern era. We've got so much more coming with Rex Byers. I've got a million questions to ask him when we get a bookmaker on. Lots to discuss. Stay tuned. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. When I first moved to Las Vegas... I viewed the bookies, the odds makers, the bookmakers, the sports book directors, I viewed them as my enemy. I'm like, I'm out to take their money. As I got a little older and a little more mature and learned a little more about how the industry worked, I started to realize we're kind of all on the same side. Even though I'm playing against the bookmakers, we all want a bigger market. We all want more bets to come in, the broader market. And less educated bets makes more good bets for us to make. And when I got to start to know some bookmakers, first bookmaker I met was Joe Lupo. He was a race sports director at the Stardust, and he was an intimidating guy. <laughs> I was scared of him. Later on, you get to know some bookmakers. You get to know guys. And you know what? They're just like us. They're regular people. They've got wants and needs and likes and dislikes. And while they are trying to generate handle, for their sports book and hold for their sports book. It's not a, we're trying to beat you down type of scenario. The bookmakers are not our enemies. Agree or disagree, Rex, from the other side of the counter. I, I don't look as it's, it's, I try to view as many of the players as with an amicable relationship as possible. I mean, I, I, all I do is do whatever I can to try to, to, to get you to bet into me. You know, you're laying 11 to win 10. That's where my edge is. You know, I try, I like amicable relationships are important to keep that going. Certainly, I believe it's important more to get along with some customers more than others and take an interest in what some customers are doing more than others. And, you know, obviously it, it doesn't, you know, I think the one of the misconceptions is people are trying to hold the same, you know, we're trying to write the same amount on both sides in every game. That's most mostly could never be further from the truth. We're trying to establish what the right side is at, on a game at a certain price, and and do it, when do we take positions? When is it okay to take stands and basically need certain players that we respect in the long run that are going to win? When are we going to try to need them to win against against the public or against the, the the money that we can write against it? So, yeah, it's like I say, it's good to have good relationships, especially with smart people, especially with people that you, you know you know are going to work with and that can move a lot of money around. Um, that can move the markets, you know, but that's, like I said, that's, it's important. I believe that's something that I, I was, when I first started, you know, I was very much, very similar to you. I thought that if the bookie ever beat me, I was embarrassed that the bookie, if I beat the bookie, I was, you know, shove it in his face and blah, 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 blah. It's, it's not, it's, I think most of the relationships that I've built on both sides of the counter are counterintuitive to that. I, I learned quickly that, you know, you're never going to make it very far in this business. That's your attitude. Well, because you're someone that, I mean, you really have run the gamut in terms of what you've done in this industry, far more than most, just about anyone I can think of. 
Right. Yeah, that, you're not going to meet anybody that's worked work with Sport Radar and Offshore and, and Vegas and now running an Australian book. So, yeah, that's true. No. But you, you, let me ask you this. You've bet. You've talked about betting. You've written about betting. You've made books. Tell me a little bit about the differences between betting and talking about betting or writing about betting and bookmaking. Um, and which one of those three, how you've managed to find a career between the three and which one you're best at? Oh, gosh. I, I certainly can tell you I'm not the best at betting. It's not like I don't know how to pick winners. I can do that. But I, my, my money management skills have been atrocious from the day that I came out the nutsack. I just never uh, <laughs> I never figured it out. Like, it's not, there's never enough. I could have $100, $1,000, $10,000, 100000 a million, and at some point I'm going to go broke. I just, it's, it, I'm not any good at it. I'll talk about it, and I enjoy going through it, but, but nothing's ever enough when it comes to to me and with, with betting. And, and, you know, I've been up and down six figures multiple times in my life, you know, on credit. I mean, it's, you know, it's crazy, but, but it, like I say, I, I love talking about it. I, and I, I respect the people that can go out and grind every day and, and earn doing that. But it's, but as a bookmaker, I've always, it's always been opposite. I know like kind of what our situation is with in terms of bankroll, what the boss wants or the owner wants in terms of exposure on games. If I'm not sure I ask and I make sure that I try to get us to those positions and, you know, it's just kind of weird. I was talking to my boss about that a while back. It's like, it's kind of crazy. You could tell me what my bankroll is to book, and I could handle it no problem at all and never think twice, never put us in a bad spot. But if I have my own bankroll and I'm asked to, to bet with it, you know, I, I get reckless with it. And, you know, like I've just, you know, like I said, I was a professional for several years on that side any, anymore. I mean, it's, I, I enjoy, you know, a horse race here and there, and, you know, I can watch what other people do, and I opine about stuff. But, you know, the, the money that I was, you know, betting, you know, several years ago, not anymore and probably not ever again unless, you know, I hit the lottery or something. <laughs> There's no lottery, uh, no, no state lottery. In, not Nevada. Uh, here in Nevada. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little about the NFL draft. Um, uh, you know, obviously first round on Thursday night, second and third round on Friday night. And from everything I've heard in years past, this has been an absolute bookmaker nightmare. The quote from uh, Adam Pollan from uh, Caesars uh, Sportsbook. It's not if you're going to win or lose, it's how much you're going to lose. Is this a loss leader? What can books do to protect themselves? And I guess, how bad was it this year? So I, the answer to your last question first, I'll work backwards. You really not much you can do. You play defense, you, know, you, know, you open them up late, you close them early. Nevada has a rule you got to close 24 hours before. Uh, which, you know, I'm not sure who was in charge of that, of that, but I can't say that I think it's a bad rule. I, I Going back to 2008 was the first draft that I booked, you know, where we had our own staff at sportsbetting.com. I did not have a uh, props team in place that year, so it was just me. And I, I, I dealt, dealt some draft props that I thought we could, you know, have a chance to win at, and we lost. In 2009, I had a props team in place, and I worked with them, and I thought we'd do okay, and we lost. In 2010... Uh, or this is 2009, 2012, so 09-10, so 2011, I just said, screw it, I've lost the last couple of years. Look, you guys make up your own menu, you figure out and do it, and we lost. And the fourth year, <laughs> 2012, I told my boss, can we please stop this? We're not going to win. Like, how much do you want to lose? Like, at what point does this make sense to keep dealing? And he actually did use the words lost leader. He said, this is something that we can promote and, and, and advertise and blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, don't count it against me when we're looking at my bonus. Like, I don't want to sit here and t lose more money than a stupid draft again. And so I did help him that time. And so it was a prop team and me again, and guess what? We lost again. 
So, yeah, it was just, I, it was one of those things. And, I, and it came to Nevada, and I told Jeff Sherman, this is before I started working at the Westgate, I said, you guys are going to get beat up on this. So what do you know, the first year in Nevada, they, they win. And then Sherman's crowed at me. Yeah, this was, we crushed our customers, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's an aberration. And it was. And the thing about it was there really wasn't one like that. I think I thought this was 2017 or whatever. And the, the, the next time there was a draft like that, or maybe it was 2018, and the, the last few have gone to Hoyle, and that's always good for the customers because it's an information-based market. And I think last night they, they got beat up, and a lot of the sharp people that laid bridge jumper-type prices got beat up. Some of the reports I've heard have not been pretty, but I don't really know, like, from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, and it's not really my business. I, I don't try to go in and ask people how they do. If they go on Twitter and they say something, that's fine. Or if it's a good friend of mine, I'll ask. But, you know, for, you know I'm usually not at liberty to share stuff like that, nor would I want somebody to share it about me. So, you know, bottom line is I, I think that last night was probably pretty good for the books just based on what I've heard in some media today. And, and I'm not really shocked by that. There was a lot of information that was coming that I couldn't really think that I, you could verify. If you trusted your eyes and sort of, you know, thought like, hey, this might work out or I think this guy should go here, you probably did better than you would have if you would have just constantly sat there and scrolled Twitter for you know, weeks on end and trying to look and get, gather and scour as much information as you could because a lot of the information proved to come up wrong last night when the Thursday night when the players started coming in. Yeah, and that's, uh, I, I, as you mentioned, it's not unusual. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's been a loss leader for the books. It, it's been, but it also felt, you, you said it, this first round wasn't didn't feel like one of the worst ones for the bookmakers and I oh I think I, I, yeah, I think compared to most years they're thrilled to get out I mean the figure had to be better today than what or you know Thursday than what it was last year or the year before any of the last five years you know yeah, yeah, break I, even I, I think of... you know, most guys will take breakeven.com and just take it and move on but you know it's I, it'd be curious to see what happens next year if that's the case whether the volume of props goes up or down stays the same how much time people get to bet them I mean I you know a lot of people look at the year-over-year year year numbers and stuff and decide what they want to do for the next year. So, curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, a handful of uh, of the bigger betters that I know got slapped around pretty good mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, with some chalky with some chalky props uh, mm-hmm. on uh, on the first round, and yet a lot of the casual betters that I know did just fine. <laughs> you know? Right. But and you talked about the eye test, you know. If you watched college football last year, you're not surprised that Will Levis dropped. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. You yep. Know? Uh, so, so some of that. Let me ask you that. I mean, you know, did anything in that Thursday night opening round stand out to you as a surprise? You know, um, good, bad, anything, anyone got noticeably better, any team that botched the pit completely besides the Lions? Um, give me, a, just, you know, 60 seconds on your, uh, on your NFL opening round thoughts. I thought that the Texans at two and three obviously made two got two guys that they wanted, but what do you give up to get that? I mean, I, I really thought Arizona made out as good as anybody when it comes to not trying to win immediately, but you could see that their GM is not on any kind of time clock. I mean, he he traded down once and then traded down again, and and and, and for for deals that are going to make their team or their draft next year very very strong. So I don't think he's he's looking to try to win in 2023, but in 2024. Uh, or even 2025, Arizona would be a team that I would keep an eye on just based on the moves from the GM already. It's clear upgrade from the guy they had there before. Um, you know, in terms of teams that got 
notice will be better. You don't really know. I mean, it's a, we're all guessing here, you know, before they actually start playing games and we can see who's any good or who's not. I mean, I thought the Colts were the biggest loser before the draft started yesterday because they couldn't find a way to make some sort of a deal with Baltimore to get Lamar Jackson. I, I've been banging that drum for three months. It's like if they could just get Lamar Jackson, they really think they're going to be competitive immediately, try to find a way to make it happen. And they couldn't do it or they didn't try to do it. And whoever there was collusion, you know, who knows? But the guys they got there now, he can't play. I mean, you know, this kid, I mean, he doesn't have a clue what he's doing before the snap. He doesn't have, after the snap, he doesn't have a clue. He's supposed to be a smart kid. But I, I watched Florida play eight times last year. Every time that I was going into a week, I'd want to need against them just because of the quarterback. So sit there and say <laughs> the guy set the world on fire and he's a physical freak and this, that, and the other. I, I, I'm sorry. Some of the stuff you see at Florida, you're not going to see in the NFL. I just, Cover it uh, in terms of what he could do with his way. After this. I, I, SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Get all the latest updates, breaking news, line changes, and more. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, at SportsGridRadio, at SportsGrid TV and stay on the grid everywhere you go. Again, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. You can follow today's guest, Rex Byers, on Twitter at Rex underscore Byers. That's B E Y E R S. Rex Byers, Rex underscore Byers on Twitter. Rex, I'm sorry I had to cut you off before the break. We were talking about the NFL draft on Thursday night. You were talking about the Colts and the interesting choices they were making at the QB position. Uh, anything else stand out or do you want to finish up that thought? No, not much to say there. I mean, the kid might end up being good, and I'll give them credit, at least in the front office, that they had the, they had the balls to go that route, you know, home run type swing, rather than playing for a single like a Levis type or – you know, a double, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. We'll see how it works itself out, but you know, they knew they had to go for a quarterback. That's, that's just one observation. I thought that, uh, I thought the Seahawks had a really good pick. Uh, so I think two of them, right. I thought the second one, I, I couldn't yeah. believe they got that receiver from Ohio. So that guy terrorized me in the Rose bowl two years ago. We were, we had the Westgate. We needed, we needed, uh, Utah for a big pile against Ohio state. And that guy was, I think he had like 300 something yards and he was a one man wrecking ball. Um, so, you know, put those, put that guy with the other two receivers that Seattle's already got. And if, if they don't succeed next year, then certainly the quarterback will have regressed from what he did this year. So I think Seattle's a viable threat in the West to the Niners, uh, depending on what happens with the Niners coming out of camp with their quarterback situation. So we have to talk about all this crap, you know, down the road. Let's move on from football, Teddy. <laughs> oh, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. You want to talk some Derby or you want to talk Aaron Rodgers? Okay, I, 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 I got to get I, one quote for you on Aaron Rodgers. Sure. Does he move okay. the needle at all? Yeah. Uh, like you can't because it's already been moved. I mean, for the most part, the Jets were sitting between 14 and 16 or 18 to 1 at, across the markets, and so he goes there this week, and then they go to 12. I mean, I, I, I guess 12 to 14. I mean, uh, he moves the needle. I don't know how good he's going to be. I, I know that there is a wide variety of opinions about it, which I find fascinating because – uh, you know, I was one of those. Who, I still am. I believe he's probably the best player in the history of the game. Uh, but at the same time, he won one Super Bowl, and that was kind of half gifted to him to begin with as well. So, and certainly as an advanced age, and you have to wonder what the mo- amount of money he's banked at this point, how much motivation he's got. So, we'll see how much fire is in the belly, and we'll see how he can handle the life in New York, the media in New York. 
uh, it'll be fascinating, but, you know, that's what I'm here for. We're going to book bets on the Jets until we're blue in the face and, you know, the other teams as well because guess what? At the end of the year, you only, you only pay one of them. You get to collect from the other 31. Yeah, and, of course, uh, Aaron Rodgers' Super Bowl came via uh, Rashard Mendenhall fumble in the fourth quarter in a game <laughs> that Green Bay controlled early but did not control the rest uh, of the way, not even maybe. Now, um, and, of course, we talk about Rodgers to the Jets. In the AFC, you still have – the Ravens who re-signed Lamar Jackson. You have the Colts with Burrow. You have, or sorry, the Bengals with Burrow. You have the uh, Herbert, the Chargers, and Allen and uh, the Bills, and of course the defending Super Bowl champs. So it's not like there's an easy road for the Jets or easy path for the Jets. To yeah, go. you just you think teams that are all better than them in addition to Jacksonville. And one could argue the Miami coach is great. So I'm curious to see what they'll do this year if that quarterback gets healthy again. Uh, the AFC is yeah. not 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 an easy late place to to try to you know escape to Super Bowl glory, not nearly compared to what he had in Green Bay. Sure. So we got the NFL win totals. We have odds to make the playoffs, odds to win divisions. When does this market come to life? Is it right here, right now, or is it still a little while? Uh, no, because a, a lot of it goes into, like, you know, a lot of times I, what, what I would do when I was working with Jeff Davis at Caesars, we would wait until we got the schedule. I guess you could, in theory, do it now because you know who everybody's playing. So you could power rate all the teams, equate that out to a, you know, rough guesstimate of a, of a money line win percentage, i.e. if a game was a pick then each team gets 0.5, you know, so it equals one. So you have an exact number, everything equals out to one, you know, win for each game that's played and you get a, you know, you're able to juice it accordingly. Um, but I think a lot of times people will wait until the schedule comes out and then they'll go one by one through all the games and come up with a number. So if it's 8.25, then you can decide, do you want to use eight over a quarter, eight over 30, or do you want to use eight and a half under 30 or under a quarter, you know, then you got, you know, a number to work with. For each, for a team, and and each team would you know, end up adding up to something that's going to equal 17 games about you know times the 16 teams, which is half of the 32. Um, I, I those markets a lot of times, like I said, the Super Bowl line comes out as early as the Super Bowl the year before, and so you can work on the AFC NFC lines off of that, realizing that the AFC is the power more powerful conference at this point, and therefore the odds to win the conference would be slightly higher than to win the Super Bowl. You know, instead of just 50 50, you know, you can't just do it that way. But yeah, I would say that, you know, odds to make playoffs uh, once the draft finishes, the win totals, a lot of those things have come out. And the, the NFL, no less than 13 times last night, reminded you about their schedule release that comes out next month. So I think it roughly <laughs> coincides to when that schedule gets released. Shortly thereafter, you'll start to see people who are bored and sick of baseball working on football stuff and getting football stuff to market. And then it becomes how many other people in Vegas are originating, how many people offshore are originating, and how many of them are just copying. And uh, who do you copy from? So that's that's when you see markets start to come to a little bit more maturity. Now let's leave football apart and talk Kentucky Derby because I'm excited <laughs> to good. talk Derby with you. And it's really the only Derby talk I'm going to do here uh, on uh, uh, Cover It. So um, And basically, this is my uh, approach to the Kentucky Derby. Rex Byers, go. <laughs> All right. I can tell you that last year, it's not a bad idea because there were 20 horses in the race. The one, the one that drew in the 21 horse won the race and was the longest shot in the field at 80 to one. And I, or I thought he should have been 800 to one. So it just goes to show that, you know, you can win a race, but you're not going to win at the races. And that's, that was a good example last year. I, I just rich strike winning was something I could never have seen. Now going back two years when Mandaloon won the race, which he didn't actually win it was very exciting. It would have been very exciting for me had I gotten the actual mutual payout, not, Baffert's Medina Spirit, who was found to have been a cheater. Um, but essential quality that year 
was the favorite. And that was the horse that Cox really liked. Now, the, some, from perspective, I'm very friendly with that barn. I, you know, one, one of my best friends on earth is really friendly. Brad Cox has won two Eclipse Awards and uh, has four of them in this year. Three of those horses, I think, have a real shot. And, you know, one of them, I think, clearly more than the other two, um, Angel of Empire, I think will win the race. Um, Forte and Taffet Trice are going to be the two pleasure horses, and they'll be fairly favored. Derma Sotagate is an interesting horse, Japanese horse, won the UAE Derby in a romp. Problem with that is, is that, you know, I bet those Dubai horses uh, uh, so many times that I, I can't count how many thousands I've lost on them by now. And, you know, they've made 18 starts in the Derby and they're zero, zero, and zero. So if you throw out Derma Sotagate, I couldn't, couldn't argue with you on that. Uh, the context I was going to get back to with the Central Quality a couple of years ago is Mattress Mac was dipping his toe in the, in the water and putting it into the mutual pools, which, you know, most races it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm sorry, most races it really matters if somebody gets involved because it's paramutual and you're going to affect the odds of every horse if you bet one horse. And the problem is the Derby, there's just so much money in the pool, he can get away with betting, you know, several hundred thousand. But when you start betting two, three, five million or what he's talking about, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, those, there's a lot of money in the pool. That's going to affect the odds on the horse. And he's thinking he's. I think with the uh, the Houston Furniture promotion again this year is going to be on the favorite, which will be Forte. So I think if you can try to look past beating the favorite Forte with Mattress Max money, that'll also be in there to dilute the pool. You'll have all kinds of value with Tapa Trice, Der- Dermis Hatagate. Should you try him, uh, or Cox's horse Angel of Empire, or his other two that I also think have a chance hit show and verify. So, you know, that's, that's that. We'll see how it goes. Um, you know, bottom line is I'm looking forward to it. Maybe I'll, I'll get a little NBC time if. Uh, it goes well. Certainly would love to take home a couple of roses to my mom. You know, it's, I go back every year for the race, being from that area and start my career at Churchill Downs when I was a kid. So it's pretty, pretty exciting to go back. So you're saying, can you repeat the thing you said about Forte a minute ago? Because it, it stood out to me. Yeah, Forte is going to be the favorite. That's the, he's, he hasn't gotten beat. You know, he won the Florida Derby by a length the last time. Um, shouldn't really so, relish so the Mattress distance. Mac. Matrix Max yep. going to put his money on the favorite, which means the favorite's going to be really short price on the, Yeah, instead of instead of being like seven to two, like it should be, or four to one, in a twenty horse field, he's going to end up being something closer to like five to two or three to one, which you know doesn't sound like it's that much, but in a twenty horse field, you know you're talking percentage points that go everywhere everywhere else. You know everybody else gets a much better price. You might see a a thirty to one end up being closer to forty to one because of that. So even though they, the true price might be twelve you know, or 16. So, you know, it's, it's a dart throw when there's that many of them coming out of a gate and they're three years old for horses is very young. They're very precocious. Some mature a lot from, from point A to point B or from the last race to this one, you know, they grow, you know, they, they, they learn how to race more. They've only, a lot of them only race three, four, five times. So they sort of, some, some of them get it and they figure it out for whatever reason, or they take to the track. Churchill's a very interesting surface, not similar to a lot of other dirt tracks in the States. Horses either really like it or really don't a lot of times. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that go into it, but certainly, uh, you know, you, you've got no, no standout bet ons or bet against per se, but, you know, I'll, I'll have my money somewhere with the three Cox horses. And then, uh, you know, like I say, if, if Forte wins, you tip your hat, but given the mattress Mac involvement there and the fact that he showed a little bit of vulnerability the last time out, um, well, we try to look elsewhere, at least in the wind pools and on top of the exotics. So look at the three Cox horses to put some exotics together to win. In Angel of Empire on night. top is my it would be my most would be my most recommended. And I think I've heard so many people that like verifying and hit show that are not affiliated with the barn 
that I really I'm confused. I don't think Hit Show is maybe good enough, but he did have an outside post the last time in the wood. But the wood's been a race that hasn't been very good to the Derby in terms of the prep trail uh, in the last couple decades. So tough to know for sure. Angel of Empire, a horse worth paying attention to in the Derby next Saturday. Last question I'm going to ask you real quick. This week, it was announced that the A's are likely, it's not a done deal yet, but it looks like the A's are moving to Vegas. Can Vegas, is Vegas big enough to have three pro sports teams? Will professional baseball work here? NHL works here. NFL works here. I'm not convinced baseball is going to be as good. What about you? Uh, good question. I don't know how many people will take to it either. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of people didn't mind helping to put the stadium together for the Raiders because they thought of it as being a positive economic impact, not just for the NFL, but also for concerts. And, you know, we needed a big, big, big time stadium, soccer games. Uh, I don't know if we need a 30,000 seat stadium. Is it going to have a retractable roof? Who wants to go watch baseball in 110 degree heat in August? Um, you know, it's people are, are tourists really going to come out here for a three game baseball series from Cincinnati, from Kansas city. Those teams don't support their, their teams when they're in home. I mean, what, what, what's, what do you make sure they're going to come out here? So I, I don't know if it could support it or not, but the way that the baseball model set up, the owner is going to try to extract as much money from the city as he can and not, not put, you know, put, if he doesn't put any, any money into the product, then how can you expect that people are going to support it? I mean, it, it's like the Knights who showed up as an expansion team and eventually and, and immediately started winning. The A's are coming with a lot of baggage, and they haven't been any good. They haven't they, the money ball crap is getting old to a lot of people, and uh, it's not like the Rays who put out a good product every year and not spend any money. If you put out a bad product and you don't spend money either, people get real sick of that, and especially in this town. Yeah, Vegas likes winners. I can tell you that much. And we've got a winner <laughs> on today's show in Rex Byers. Rex, promote yourself, my friend. Uh, tell people out there how they can find you. Tell them what you're doing. Uh, knock yourself out. You got about 45 sure, sure, seconds. Sure, Teddy. Yep. Head of wagering at Playoff USA. We're, we're in Colorado, New Jersey right now. Going to go to Iowa at some point here very soon. Working on our own tech stack, own software. That'll change some of the, the rules as far as how much you can bet. You know, we really I have the philosophy of trying not to kick anybody out and welcoming all customers. We just can't do it under the current circumstances. But hope that changes soon. In the meantime, Rex Byers, uh, Rex underscore B-E-Y-E-R-S on Twitter. Working on firing up a Twitch TV and a uh, – you know, YouTube TV channel uh, this summer is going to show me in my office. I have several monitors. looks like NORAD in here. I'm going to have eight or nine TVs set up with football starts, be able to show you what I'm looking at, what I'm watching, who I'm talking to. You know, it's, uh, it's a pretty exciting time. It's going to be a couple months off, but uh, look forward Excellent to it. Excellent stuff. Rex Byers, thank you so much for joining me today, my friend. We'll do it again in the not-too-distant future. Coverage good, Teddy. Take care. continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, talked about it a little earlier. Every single show that I've ever done for the Sports Grid Network is available in podcast version. You want to download and consume at your convenience? You want to? It's great. Listen to your car. You know, your Sirius XM channel 159, all good. In your house, in your car, whatever. But from a podcast standpoint, you can get the bell. You can get the episodes as soon as they get released. And you can get uh, my shows each and every week, one Saturday, one Sunday. Just wherever you download your podcast, search, cover it. Or cover it with Teddy Covers. You can download and consume this show and every show I've ever done 
for Sports Grid at your convenience. We've talked a lot on the show, and I always love when I get an odds maker on. You know, when I go into the bookmakers to talk shop. And Rex Byers, the guy who's always comfortable talking shop in terms of the thought process and how things go down. Uh, you know, it kind of takes the curtain, lifts the curtain behind the counter a little bit. And that's why I like to have bookmaker and odds makers on when I can. One of the things that we did not talk about on today's show is NBA basketball. And I want to give you guys a bettable opinion in the NBA. And this is a fascinating scenario. Doesn't happen very often. Nuggets and the Suns. Game one, Denver's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Series price, four games in Denver, three games in Phoenix, and game one, two, five, and seven would be in Denver. And yet the series price is Suns minus 125, Suns minus 30. They're the favorites. There's certainly correlation between a game one wager and a series wager. Anytime you're betting on a team to win an NBA playoff series, I usually make two bets. I'll make on them to win their next game and win the series. And frankly, I think Denver's a little underpriced here, series-wise. Nuggets have been together. Suns just coming together. I think Denver's live to win game one and to win the series. I bet both before tip-off tonight. Best of luck. Enjoy the games. We'll be back again tomorrow right here on Cover It with Teddy Cover.